But thank you for coming today as we, as we worship God together, and, and what a joy it is to be able to join together. And I want to share uh, today a message titled, Why Baptism? And it dawned on me that it had been a few years uh, since I've really preached on baptism, and it's such a central part of the faith. Uh, many different traditions uh, across you know, the spectrum practice, uh, and I'm talking about Christian faith traditions, practice baptism, and uh, so it's important we take a look at this. So I'm going to invite you to bow with me as we open with a prayer, open this time in God's Word with a prayer first of all. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we are able to come together to rejoice, to celebrate, more than anything to connect with you and worship, and uh, I just thank you that uh, we can also open the scriptures and learn from them for our lives today. Because you continue to speak to us. You have not neglected us. You have not forsaken us. But you continue to speak to us through your word. Uh, truths that are life-changing. Truths that will guide our, our path in life. Our journey. So we're so grateful. So I pray you would speak to us. Let our hearts be attentive to you. As we open your word today. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, those of you who know me well, family members and, and some friends that know me well, know that there is one food that I hate immensely. It turns my stomach. I have a strong aversion to this food. I'm going to tell you what it is. I hate pickles. I hate pickles. I hate pickle juice. And I hesitate to tell people because then they try to get me to eat pickles. I hate the smell of pickles. Everything about pickles I just don't like. And so uh, my family gives me a hard time about this. Uh, years ago, when my niece Araceli was a youth pastor here at Solid Rock, she was right out of college. And uh, so she, she was working with our youth. And she had an idea that she mentioned to me for a missions fundraiser, for a Speed the Light fundraiser. Uh, and I'm... I didn't say no, but I didn't really jump at the idea, and maybe that's why she didn't follow through, and I'm glad she didn't follow through on this idea, because her idea was to set a, a fundraising goal for missions, for the youth, with a stipulation that if the youth met this goal, I would eat an entire pickle. And I thought, I, first of all, I don't think I can eat an entire pickle. I'd probably throw up, and even just smelling it and taking one bite of it, I can't, I just can't. There are things that if they get put into, for example, if they get put into my hamburger accidentally, like if they, I don't eat onions either, but if they put onions in my hamburger, I just take them out. No big deal. If there's onion. I, I, I like food that's cooked with onions, but I don't eat the onions. I just move them off to, off to the side. But if there's a pickle in my burger, it's like, that's it. You know, cancel everything, go home. Uh, I, I, I can't have pickles. And so now you're asking, what does a pickle have to do with today's sermon on baptism? Well, you're about to find out. And so... And, and I'll get there in a minute, but the teachings of Jesus involve none of the ceremonies of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you know, the, the Jewish people in the Old Testament had a way of worshiping God that was established by God and included uh, rites and rituals, sacrifices and so forth. And uh, so when Jesus came along and with the new covenant, when he established the new covenant, there weren't any more, any of these ceremonies or rituals or features. There's nothing in the scriptures that established that. But he did leave us with two ordinances. 
with two concrete ways of connecting with Jesus and connecting with other believers. And uh, I'm speaking, of course, of communion and water baptism. Uh, communion and water baptism are the two ordinances that are practiced by many uh, Christian churches, including the Assemblies of God. We are an Assembly of God church, an Assemblies of God church. And so we practice these two uh, ordinances. Neither of these makes us a Christian, but they're both important because they tell us what it is to, to be a Christian, to become a Christian. And they're both established by Jesus. So today I want to talk about water baptism. And as I said, answer this question why baptism? Now, the basis of water baptism, the reason we practice this, is found in the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. So let's go to Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18. These were uh, some of Jesus' last words before he left his disciples and ascended back into heaven. And so he said this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, again, people's last words, if somebody knows that they're they're about to end their life on earth and they have last words for their family. They carry a lot of weight. Or even somebody leaving a position at a job and they're saying their farewell speech or whatever it might be. Those last words are always very significant. And, and it's certainly the case here with Jesus because his last recorded words here are about baptism. And uh, this is a direct command from Jesus. And as we'll see uh, in a few minutes, it, it, he not only commanded it, but he actually set the example by being baptized himself. So let's start by defining the word baptize in the Greek. I don't, I don't read Greek. I didn't study it uh, other than on my own by reading some books, but I didn't take a class on it. So I have to rely on reputable scholars. And all of them, all the reputable scholars agree with this definition. The word in the Greek is for baptize is baptizo. Baptizo. Now, when, when we normally hear the word baptize, we think of uh, a baptism in a church, right? Um, whether it's a built-in baptistry, a lot of churches are going this route, uh, hot tubs, uh, things like that. We don't have a built-in baptistry here, so we're, we're doing uh, this uh, water stock tank. But this is what we think of. We hear baptize, we say, oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, when we bought this, one of the places that I went to to look at them, when we bought this tank, when I mentioned I'm, I'm needing this for a church, the guy says, oh, for a baptism? So, I mean, it's like what we think of. We, we normally think about that. But what's important to understand is that in the, in the Greek, the word baptizo was not originally a religious word. Baptizo was used to describe all kinds of non-religious situations. So here are some of the ancient uses, uh, usages of the word baptizo, which the word baptizo means to dip or to immerse or to dunk. And so the word baptizo was in the vernacular of, of the common people. It was used of ships that were sunk in battle. That ship, that ship uh, baptizoed or was baptizoed. It was used uh, of people who drowned, lost their lives in a drowning, they baptizoed. It was used figuratively back then 
As it is now, it was used figuratively about a person who was in over his head in debt. And we use that now, right? We talk about somebody drowning in debt or I'm drowning in debt. That's a word baptizo. It was used uh, people who were simply swimming or, or bathing uh, in, in water. So it was used for all kinds of ordinary things leading up to the New Testament. But it was a word that was consistently used for anything that meant to take something and to immerse it, to dunk it, to dip it in a liquid. Uh, so that's where we get that word. Now, the most interesting definition that I read, and I tried to cross-check this from several sources, and they all seem to say, well, they all said the same thing, is that archaeologists apparently found some writings. This is from 200 B.C., some writings by a Greek, a Greek poet named Nicander. And this Greek poet, who's not only a poet, he was a physician, he was a grammarian, and, and so... Kind of a renaissance man, but uh, Nicander, 200 years before Christ, had, uh, came up with a recipe in which he used the word baptizo. And this was a recipe for pickles. And so there were two words that he used in this recipe. One was bapto, which meant, which meant, which meant to dip the, the uh, cucumber in water. And that was just to kind of cleanse it of any dirt. And then to immerse it in uh, vinegar, and he used the word baptizo in his recipe. So uh, leading up to Jesus' day, then this word was just a baptizo, uh, or baptized to us, was just a common everyday word. Didn't have any religious significance. It just meant to dip, dunk, drown, submerge. And so when New Testament times came around, the Jewish community began to use this word to, to describe something they did now in a religious context, they use it as part of the process that a non-Jewish person would use to become a Jew. So to convert to Judaism, here's what a non-Jew had to do. Uh, part of it was eating a certain kind of a meal, uh, learning the law of Moses. I think there was something about a surgery for men. All this was part of, the, you know, of a non-Jew becoming a Jew. And then at the end of the process, they had to be baptizoed. Uh, no one would do this, by the way. The, the, uh, the non-Jewish becoming Jewish would go through this whole process, right? And then they, they would, in essence, baptize themselves. They would dunk themselves. So they'd go to a river or pool, wherever there was a lot of water. And then in front of many witnesses, they would dunk themselves underwater. And that was to symbolize that they were dying to their Gentile life. And they were being born again or come alive to their newfound Jewishness, their newfound Jewish life. So they were symbolically getting cleansed of their past and, and making a new start. So baptizo first was just a common word, uh, and then it became uh, to be identified with this Jewish practice. Nothing really uh, beyond that. Uh, it was just descriptive. But then what turned the tide on the use of this word was when John the Baptist showed up. John the Baptist, who if you know the story, he was an unusual guy. And he came up saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would say, prepare the way for the Messiah. You think you're living in tune with God, but you're not. You need to repent. There's one coming after me who I'm not worthy to even loosen his sandals. And he's going to show you the way. So repent, 
get ready for his coming. And people began to fall under conviction at hearing this. They began to realize they had abandoned God, that they were Jewish by name, but they weren't living in tune with God. They weren't living in relationship with God. So they began to respond to this message of John and they began to repent. And then John did something that historically had not been done before because this was not exactly like the Jewish uh, ceremony that they did. But the first time in recorded history, he took people down to the river and he dunked them. He immersed them in water. He baptized them. And so people would say, oh, look, he's baptizing them. He's immersing them. He's baptizing them. They didn't know what to call it. This had never been done that way before. So people were saying, in essence, look, I hear what John is saying. I believe his message. And I'm going to respond to his message. I'm going to identify and show allegiance to his teaching. And I'm going public with my decision by allowing him to dunk me, to immerse me, to baptizo me. So he, he, John did this so much that he picked up the nickname that we now use to refer to him, John the Baptist, because uh, he was baptizing or baptizoing people. So why baptism then? Here's what we learn. First of all, baptism is a sign of public identification. It's a sign of public identification. When John was baptizing, people were identifying and expressing a commitment to his teaching, his message about Jesus, the coming Messiah. And so when a non-Jewish person dipped himself or herself to become a Jew, they were identifying with Judaism and leaving their Gentileness, Gentile life behind. Uh, so in the same way, when a person came to be baptized, in, in a, or when a person now comes to be baptized in a Christian church like ours, what they're doing is they're coming to publicly identify with Jesus Christ and with His church, with His people. Because uh, Paul writes about how we are baptized into the body of Christ. So it's, it's a baptism, it's identification with Jesus and with the church and with the family of God. They're saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I don't mind if people know that I'm a Christian. In fact, I want them to know. So even from back then with the Jews and then what John did, and today there's this sense of we're going public. I'm going public with my decision. Secondly, we learned that a little more specifically, this is along the same lines, but a little more specifically, baptism is how we identify with Jesus in His death and resurrection. So it's not just going public, say, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus now, but it's how we identify specifically with Jesus in His death and resurrection. We read about this in Romans 6, 4, where Paul writes this, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There are different ways to baptize. Uh, we baptize by immersion. And one of the reasons is because of this scripture. Because that's the best way to identify with Jesus' death going into the water. And resurrection coming out of the water. Which, which is what Paul taught is the significance of baptism. We are identifying with Jesus in his death. And in his resurrection. Many years ago, uh, in fact when I was a youth pastor... I read a story about a little girl who had, who drowned in a pool. Uh, 
young girl, I don't remember the age, but as you can imagine, the parents were just devastated. They were distraught. The father later wrote about how he was tortured by this. He was tortured about, or he was tortured by the thought of her last seconds underwater, not being able to breathe before she drowned. That just tortured him. He just couldn't get it out of his head. My poor baby, those last few minutes, what was she thinking? What was going on? In fact, he wrote that during this time of just torment for him, he would go into a pool, a swimming pool, and he would stay underwater as long as he possibly could before coming up for a breath because he wanted to identify with his daughter in her death. Baptism is how we identify with Jesus in his death. I've read for many years, this is something that apparently happens annually, where in in some countries like the Philippines, I know for sure this happens uh, in the Philippines. I even asked my Filipino barber about this, and he confirmed it, that there are people who, when they celebrate um, Holy Week, and I think specifically on Good Friday, will allow themselves, men who allow themselves to be crucified on a cross. Now, it doesn't kill them. This is literally a crucifixion, so I'm not sure how it happens because some of them, they'll come down off the cross and maybe do it again next year. But their whole idea is they want to identify with Jesus. Their devotion to Jesus is so strong, they want to identify with him in his death. But Paul would say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You just need to be baptized because when you're baptized, you're identifying with his death and his resurrection. And as he says in Romans 6, 4, we've been raised to a newness of life. That means that our future in Christ is bright. And so that's one of the significance. That's why baptism, because it's how we identify with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. And then the next one is this baptism. Baptism demonstrates the depth of our commitment. It demonstrates the depth of our commitment. And of course, I use that word depth on purpose because you know, we're talking about being immersed. But the depth not of the water or whatever, the depth of our commitment. How serious are you in your commitment to serve God? Because once you go public... Once you go public, then hopefully you think twice before you decide to turn back, to turn away from God. That's one of the functions, I believe, of baptism. To serve as a form of accountability. To ask the question, do you mean it enough to go public? Your decision to follow Jesus, do you mean it enough to go public? Or do you want to play it safe and just kind of be a closet Christian? It demonstrates the seriousness, the depth of your a commitment. Ladies, how would you feel if your husband had said to you, those of you ladies that are married, if your husband had said, I really love you, but why do we have to get married? Why do we have to make it public? I mean, what's a marriage anyway? It's just a piece of paper, right? I don't need a piece of paper to love you. Well, he might be saying, I love you, but not really enough to make it public and to make myself accountable to you. And I think baptism is much the same thing. It demonstrates the depth of our commitment. One more thing before I finish. I read a sermon recently by uh, Pastor Jack Hayford. Pastor Jack Hayford uh, just uh, recently passed away the last few weeks. And uh, I read a sermon 
in my preparation for this morning, in which he spoke about how the baptism of Jesus illustrates the benefits that are ours in Christ. So I just want to read about the baptism of Jesus and just share with you some of the things that he said before we conclude. Uh, so let's go to Mark 1, where we read, um, there's one of the Gospels that tells us the story of Jesus' baptism. So Mark 1, 9 reads like this, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, Pastor Jack Hayford says that in being baptized, Jesus illustrated some amazing things that are to our benefit. For example, he says this, When Jesus was baptized, excuse me, when Jesus was baptized, he saw the heavens torn open. Torn open. Not a, not a little opening, not a little slit, but just torn open. And the lesson here is this, that baptism represents a new life in Christ, as we've said. But it's a new life that unlocks something invisible in the, in, uh, something in the invisible realm or something in, something in the supernatural realm for us. So there's a, it, 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 baptism illustrates a, a, a new spiritual perception, a grasp of spiritual things. Remember how Paul said that, that a, a carnal man will not understand spiritual things. There, that's why some people read things in the Bible and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because there are spiritual truths that Paul says only a spiritual person will understand. And so the heavens being open is a reminder or an illustration to us that, that there is something in the invisible realm that opens up for us, a perception, a grasping of spiritual truths and realities, a becoming available to the supernatural power of God, knowing that there is more than this physical realm, there is a supernatural realm, and there is a power of God that is available to us from the supernatural to use and to enable us in the physical. And then the second thing is this, that the, we see the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. And uh, Jack Hayford says that the lesson here is that baptism is a reminder that the Holy Spirit will come on us to prepare us and to enable us for a life of ministry and a life of service. So we're not left alone. But the Holy Spirit, when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And the baptism is a reminder of that. The, the dove coming upon Jesus, and the, uh, the Holy Spirit rather, coming on Jesus in the form of a dove is a reminder that He has come on us as well to empower us, to enable us specifically for a life of ministry, for a life of, of service. So I would encourage people who get baptized, uh, find your place in ministry. What can you do? Where can you serve? And the, the least... Uh, you know, uh, commitment in church is, is, is important as the biggest commitment because Jesus said, if you give somebody a cold glass of water in my name, then you're doing it for him. And so we need the Spirit of God to minister and to serve others. And then finally, we see that God the Father spoke words of approval 
when he said, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He spoke words of approval. He spoke words of pleasure. This is divine pleasure. This is God smiling on us and saying, I'm pleased with you. Now you might say, well, he would never say that about me. Because he said it about Jesus. Jesus was, was perfect. Uh, yeah, we're not comparing ourselves to Jesus. And yet Jesus wants us to know that he's setting the example for us. That's why he did it. To fulfill all righteousness. So it's not a matter of, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. It does apply. That's why Jesus did it. And baptism then tells us that there is a divine approval that God wants to, uh, to, um, to seal in your hearts. There's a, he wants to seal your hearts with a divine approval. He wants you to know that He smiles on you because you're His creation. And when you take this step of obedience and being baptized and saying, I want to I make it public, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, then He's pleased with us because we've taken that step. And let me tell you, there's no greater feeling than to know that God is smiling on us. And God smiles on us, not because we're so good, but because of what Jesus did. Because of the merits of Jesus, He smiles on us. He gives us His divine approval, and He seals our hearts with that. When I hear people say that they felt so good at their baptism, that's not just an emotion. I think it's really a sense of divine pleasure that God wants them to feel. That God wants them to know. So what we're doing today then is we're following the command of Jesus and the example of Jesus. We're taking a public stand and we're opening our lives up to greater spiritual things. Supernatural power that is uh, expressed in a, the physical world. What we're doing today is we're celebrating changed lives. That's what baptism is about. We say often that a baptism is like a wedding band. This wedding band doesn't make me married. It just lets people know I am married. You know, for the people that care, right? Uh, baptism is the same thing. It doesn't save you, but it celebrates that you've been saved. It celebrates a changed life. And that's what we're doing. And so maybe you need a changed life in here. Maybe you're here to celebrate with Liz and, and Cammie. And, but maybe you need a changed life. You, you don't change it by going through the baptism with, without first turning to Jesus. I, I've um, heard through my ministry, I've heard people say, you know, I, I was baptized before, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And I really didn't, you know, I really wasn't committed to God at that time. The baptism doesn't save you. But if you're someone who, you need a changed life. Turn to Jesus today. Turn to him today. These girls that are being baptized today, they're, they weren't changed by coming to this church. It's not this church. It was God. They're not, now they're, uh, they're joining our fellowship. They're joining as members. Uh, so we walked this journey together, but it wasn't them coming here. It was God that changed their lives. So turn to him today. Would you bow for prayer? Father, I just thank you today. We're so excited to celebrate these two changed lives, lives that you touched, lives that you changed. And Lord, it, 
I know that you care so much about them that over the years, you've been bringing them along. Uh, over the years, you've, uh, you gave them parents that one way or another taught them to seek you, taught them to serve you. And so we're thankful for that because all those were signs. All those were signs that you wanted to change their lives. You wanted their adult lives to be lives that are full of your joy and peace, full of significance that you bring. But Father, I know that there might be someone here today or maybe somebody watching online who needs a change in their lives. They need more than just to make a New Year's resolution to try to change their lives. They need more than to make a decision to turn over a new leaf. They need the power of your Holy Spirit to save them, to change them. So I pray that if there's someone here today who was saying, Lord, change me. Lord, forgive my sins. Make me into a new person. Make me into a new husband, a new man, or a new wife, a new woman. Lord, that you would answer that prayer and let them know that their commitment to you opens the door to your Holy Spirit to come upon them. And Lord, I just thank you for, uh, for Cammie and for Liz and the others that will join us in membership today. And I, I pray, dear God, as we celebrate them, that your name would be glorified. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.